0: Well, I am sick to death of unpredictable back-to-backs. And I have a feeling that, Stephen, you feel very similar this week.
1: Yeah, I feel really similar. Because, I mean, on last week's show, I was talking about the fact of late start times for the Avalanche. But over the weekend, it was a couple of games that were a really good time as an Avalanche fan. And having sat through the Saturday game against the Islanders, leading, and then just watching that whittle away. And losing in overtime, which was a second straight defeat in overtime, and then we then lost again in overtime <laughs> against yeah. Um, Boston. Yeah, it's been a pretty sickening weekend. I mean, right, we're, we're we're picking up points due to overtime losses, but it's not really helping us because at the moment it we're not too far away from being in the basement of our own division because the Black Hawks can't stop winning.
0: No, no, it was bizarre, and I have just I've just come from such a. An utterly bizarre weekend of watching hockey. I watched probably the most enjoyable game of hockey I've watched all season on Saturday night, which was the Leafs versus the Habs, which was just an incredible spectacle. As a neutral, that would have been amazing. As a Leafs fan, it was just brilliant. I can imagine now, maybe as the dust has settled, the Habs fans aren't so annoyed about it because they did still get their point at least. But it was just such a brilliant Saturday night spectacle. And then... Back to back playing the Rangers, who let's face it are losing for Hughes right now, and yeah. we somehow lose four one, even with fifty-six shots. The Leafs managed. Fifty-six shots and one went in. And it wasn't even against Lundquist. It was against their no. backup. What is that about? <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's it's one of those crazy games. But you know, over the weekend, you talk about neutral games just to just to get you away from the Leafs for a little bit. The, yeah, um, the game yeah. that I tweeted out about was the um, Nashville St. Louis game, which was a phenomenal mm. game of hockey. Um, mm. St. Louis led Nashville three to one. Nashville then tied it up, and then Tarasenko then won it in overtime with what a goal to complete his hat trick. But one of the best goals you'll see all season. And Tarasenko is a is a guy that I one of my favourite players on a on a different team. And I suppose that leads me to like something for you, Jodon, actually. We never really talked about it, but outside of the league, some of your favourite players to watch on other teams because Tarasenko is definitely one of mine.
0: No, oh, I like that. Like, give me a bit of time. I'll uh, We'll revisit that in the podcast and I'll have a think and come up with some of them. Um, we're also joined by Andy, who is a... Well, he's a, he's a fan of the NHL. I think that's fair to say. He's also got a soft spot for Dallas and are now a newly converted fan of the Vegas Golden Knights. Well, not, you can't be a newly converted fan because they are new, aren't they? But welcome along, Andy, to the podcast. Uh, thank you very much for joining us.
2: Yeah, thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, definitely down since uh, day one with Vegas. Good work. How the you? so I think that's that's pretty good going
0: Excellent, yeah, no, a very good uh, very good hit rate in terms of uh, seasons to playoff games that you've been able to watch <laughs> as a Vegas fan um, We're going to have a chat through various things that have been going on in the NHL this week. I do want to touch a little bit on the Matthews contract, I know it feels like a very long time ago because of course this podcast is a bit of a curse now or a curse or a charm, I don't know whichever way you want to look at it, but basically this podcast gets recorded and then the next day the Leafs sign someone or re someone. It happened with Jake Muzzin and now the following week it happened with Matthew's extension. So I have no idea. Mitch Marner tomorrow, I'm assuming, is going to be the news that we'll all see. Um, But we will have a look at Matthew's contract and also a wider look at how this might affect some of the other upcoming RFAs as well because that really does seem to be the hot topic ahead of the trade deadline. Talking of the trade deadline, we will mention it to see whether there have been any more moves or any more teams jostling for that position. Feels a little bit at the moment like there's a bit of a log jam in waiting for one to go. People thought maybe Matthews would be that one, but there still seems to be a bit of of a waiting game going on at the moment. A lot of eyes are in Ottawa and Columbus. So we'll revisit a little bit of that, which we talked about last week. And yeah, we'll find out. I'm sure Stephen can't wait to talk loads about Colorado Avalanche. Is that (laughs) right, Stephen?
1: (laughs) I noticed you recording this show before the Avalanche Leafs game.
0: Do you know why, Stephen? Because I would not want to bet either way on that game. It could be the Leafs could win it 7-0 and I could think that they're ready for the Stanley Cup or we could lose it 7-0. I just don't know. I don't know anymore.
1: No, well, this is it. I mean, last time you lost and then you didn't invite me on the show. But I mean, I'm I'm becoming a regular now, so I think I should start being on the payroll. I'm no longer the emergency goalie now, I don't think.
0: Ah, yeah, about that payroll, uh, we will pay you exactly what me and Claire get for this podcast. In fact, you can have 100% of what me and Claire get of it. And it will, uh, it still won't register in your bank account. Um, yeah, right.
1: I'll get the restricted free agency.
0: We all, yeah, we all know that uh, following hockey from afar is not a money-making experience. It costs you more than you get back with your any trips over the water or your TV subscriptions and things like that. Um, Andy, right? Let's start. So, how did you get into um, well, let's say hockey, but then also the NHL?
2: Yeah, well, when I was a kid, I had, you know, the the NHL games for my Mega Drive, which properly ages me. Yeah, no, um, no, 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 I'm with you. Yeah. About nine years ago, I was, I think I was scrolling through Twitter and saw that um Head had a nice hockey team. So yeah. I said to my girlfriend, do you want to go to a game? Um, we did. We sat in the, because we'd never been to a hockey game, we didn't really realise where the kind of best seats were. Mm. So I thought right down the front, directly in line with the linesman would be fantastic until I realised you see nothing of the game because <laughs> of them. um So, yeah, we we took in a game and then I think we missed two home games that season and have both been season ticket holders ever since. That's so um, cool. So that, yeah, it was it was like, I kind of love it first sight with the sport. Um, just the action, the speed. I mean, it took maybe two and a half seasons for me to work out what was happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was it was great enjoyment, and uh, pretty soon into that first season of watching it, I decided I should give the NHL a go because I'd heard that it was quite good, <laughs> slightly yeah. higher than the elite league standard. Um, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I decided to watch teams in the Western Conference, which played havoc with the the sleep schedule.
1: Yep. No, that yeah. really.
2: Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> so, initially, to uh, Dallas. The main reason that I started watching. Dallas was I saw how funny their jumbotron was I don't know if you guys have ever seen that
1: No. yeah I've been to Dallas quite a few times it's pretty much like a second home for me
2: yeah the extent to which they take the mic out of other teams a prime example was when Toronto were playing there I believe Dallas were winning and up in the jumbotron they put up a picture which said you think it's bad this guy also supports your team and it was a Justin Bieber mugshot (laughs) laughter (laughs) <laughs> Brings straight to your team when they can they can have banter like that. Yeah,
0: yeah, that is good, and I think that's one of the things that teams like Dallas and Nashville um, and Philadelphia are getting there a little bit with gritty now and things like that. And I think it's those teams that are vying for markets. I think you'll always struggle a little bit with that in Canada, just because I think it's such a it's almost like it's too serious a sport, like because it is the sport. Um, whereas I think that in America, particularly hockey plays a kind of an interesting role in the sport build-up of america and it can almost play that kind of like angsty teenager role within the kind of u.s sports scene
1: you also get over anaheim in la as well i went to see la anaheim and all of the anaheim jumbotron segments were anti-la jokes Well, that would be that would be an over. interesting
0: matchup, wouldn't it? On the Jumbotron, it who's worse? Well, you, no, yeah, probably well, this
1: me. Is, uh, <laughs> this is a few years ago when both teams weren't so bad, and Anaheim were a Stanley Cup contender. But it just reminded me of um, Andy saying about seeing, thinking the NHL was slightly above the, um, the elite league. I, I wondered if you watched an Ottawa Senators game straight <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we need to
0: get an Ottawa fan on soon because I feel that we've ripped them so much this season. I mean, they are just—I mean, we—we're going to come on to talk about Ottawa because it seems, anyway, at the moment, that the trade deadline or the the trade moves and the the moving of players seems to be holding up on that. And um, what happens with uh, Stone and Duchesne and. It seems like, uh, I seem to remember reading something about the fact that we would find out this week or teams would find out this week whether they were going to be traded or signing contracts.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been a bit of a, a dragged out affair. But you know the best place to watch an Ottawa game? Go on behind a
0: sofa <laughs> <laughs> I I <laughs> I don't know whether it's the uh, the BBC part of me but I almost feel like I, I feel like I should give a right to reply to Ottawa fans <laughs> and this is coming from a leaf and I love seeing them suffer um, but
1: yeah no the. Um, but not the, as much yeah, as you Stephen because you're going to get their first uh, round pick eh <laughs> hopefully all being worth it if the lottery goes our way. But, yeah, I mean, DeShane and Stone are the two guys that have been linked now for ages. I mean, I, we talked about it on last week's show. I'm not going to go into my rant again, DeShane again. But oh, yeah. I, think, <laughs> <laughs> I think, obviously, Stone's the one that, for me, would command the most. It's very, very difficult because I think he's a guy that's got a hell of a lot of talent. Mm. And moving him, I know you're kind of trying to look at how the franchise is Hopefully going forward, you know, everyone talks about the rebuild for teams that are not in the playoffs. You know, Chicago obviously going against that at the moment. But getting rid of a guy like Stone and you have to think about, like, what can you replace him with? I mean, it's never going to be a a free agent destination that players are going to want to go to. So it makes it very difficult to attract. You can't even look at the draft this year because obviously the, the Duchesne trade led to them not having that pick. So it's a really tough situation that they're in, and in some respects, I would maybe hold on to Stone and try and move to Shane if I could.
0: Well, I've, I've no doubt that you would try and move to Shane from well, uh, yeah, if, if mean... Stephen, Stephen, as you as a GM, I can't ever imagine Matt Duchesne gets anywhere near your roster for some uh, for some reason after hearing your thoughts about him last uh... week.
1: No, probably not. I mean, you know, I, there are some far away leagues that I'm sure that are affiliated to the NHL that we could we could send him over to. I'd have probably left him in Sweden 18 months ago, but that's just me. Did you did you see the
0: uh, both of you? Did you see the uh, the statement that um, Eugene Melnick uh, released during the um? What was it? It was like. Uh, Was it during a game or something like that, or during the Toronto game or something? Did you see that Um, statement that he released? No, not me. So he released a a statement basically setting out that um, the team were going to be well, kind of going through a rebuild, which, you know, there's no... there's no real shock there. Um, but he basically said that the team would be back up and spending near the NHL salary cap between the years 2021 and 2025, and it would bring unparalleled success to the Ottawa Senators.
1: I mean, it's all very well coming out and saying. I mean, the one thing I will say about the NHL, because you have got, you know, a certain amount of parity with the way that the salary cap is, if you're very astute about what you do in acquiring players and signing players, you can get back up into the playoffs probably within three to four years. But again, it's a waiting game. It's a franchise. You know, people in charge of the franchise are that patient. You've got to get a coach in. You've got to get the right players in. You've got to get the players to buy into that kind of um, process. It's very, very difficult because players want to win now. Managers want to win now. And to set out, even just saying things like that, I think is a a very bold statement and almost a bit of utopia in some respects.
2: Andy? Yeah, personally, I kind of find it quite hard to believe. I mean, they've currently got, like, over 20 million in cap space, so it's hard to believe (laughs) that the guy is going to be, yeah, bending to the cap. Um, Just to be honest, I think they've got to have a, a bit of a fire sale, like, because currently if they're getting going to get rid of Deshaine and Stone anyone that comes in is going to be playing with the same kind of substandard players that haven't been performing i think they've really got to try and get some pieces for the draft and hope they get lucky with the players that come through it would help um, them if yeah.
0: it would help if they had their first round pick from this year wouldn't it
2: oh, oh. I think it was selfish that any other team would take that. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, Colorado. Why would you do that to them? Um just to uh, selfish. just yeah. just to uh, give a bit more context to my ramblings earlier about this. So he he did. Eugene Melnick kind of did a, an open letter to the Ottawa Senators fans, and um, it was. It, <laughs> It was just really strange, the timing of it, because it happened during a Toronto game uh, when it was Toronto-Montreal, and it was during... They, he said they'd had a meeting of the kind of club sponsors and um, people who were involved in the club in Toronto, of all places, which, again, seemed odd, but I guess, you know, corporate sponsors might be based there. Um, and, yeah, he, he set out the kind of vision for the for the team, and although, you know, it was going to be kind of tough times for the next few years... They are they are very much on the right track, and they're kind of going to be setting the example as to how to build a hockey team um, in 2019. And they're going to be back spending up by the the near the salary cap. But it just I don't know. I mean, it could be just a cynical fan or a cynical Leafs fan looking at this. But I just looked at it as this is just a desperate attempt to try and lure Mark Stone to sign on the dotted line. No.
1: Yeah, I think you've got to kind of show that you're 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 buying you know you're buying into this process of what you're going to do going forward. And I think you've got to come out and kind of make that positive statement. Yeah. But players aren't stupid. And I think if I was Stone, I'd want to get out of there as as quickly as possible. And it's all very well, as I said, having this cap space. But if you can't attract players, even or you probably end up overspending, which means you don't misuse Mm. The cap space you have, and then you're then going to try and only entice players there that really are only going there for the money. They don't really care about anything else. So again, you then you have the wrong kind of mentality, and then you have the poor locker room chemistry. Mm. It's, again, it's a it's a it's a bad scenario. I think when you're trying to buy into like a rebuild, you've got to kind of build up that young talent. And we're not going to make any more jokes around that draft pick, but you kind of like you, you do that through the draft. Yeah, And I think that's, I think, the reason why he's kind of looking at a longer process. I think his belief is that he'll be able to get in younger players, get rid of the assets they have and bring in more younger players and kind of build up a a bit of a, a good nucleus of those and then be able to kind of add to it through some astute free agent signings. But I think to even get to that point, the younger players will have to start producing very, very quickly. Thomas
0: Chabot has been a huge... I don't know how much you've seen of him play Andy. Yeah. Thomas Chabot is an incredible story for Ottawa and he has, he's, he's almost, Eric Carlson is not replaceable like that quickly, but he has certainly healed some of the wounds of losing Eric Carlson. And he just shows how important it is. If you can get a couple of those young players in place, then you can, you can make that recovery quite quick.
2: Uh, Yeah, very much so. It's, it's always going to be nigh on impossible to replace a player like Carlson. I mean, obviously he didn't have the greatest start at the Sharks, but you see what he's produced since then. He has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, I've not seen a huge amount of Shabbat, but what I have seen, I've been impressed with. I mean, the points he's putting up for for, for Ottawa, to be honest with you, is, is yeah. really quite surprising and really impressive. And he's not taking many penalty minutes. Obviously, I don't know if that's like the just due to the fact that he is younger. Mm. Um, he's he's not as hot-headed as some young guys could be, so he seems to be doing quite well in that sense.
0: No, he really does. He's a he's a very very impressive player. um Right, okay. I want to talk. We're going to talk a little bit more about the West because I'm very conscious that we've got two kind of Western Conference supporting uh, guys on the podcast this week. So we will come on to talk about the West because I find it fascinating. Um, I just think it's incredible how that Western Conference is at the moment and that race for the wild card. Um, But let's have a look at the story that broke last week just after we recorded the podcast. Um, So we didn't get to mention it. I didn't get to bask in the fact that Austin Matthews is going to be a Toronto Maple Leaf for at least the next five years. Um, I found the whole thing utterly bizarre. So you've got this... like. You've got this player in Austin Matthews, which is your franchise player. He's going to be the guy in Toronto and, you know, whether he's captain or not doesn't really matter, but he is going to be the guy for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's going to be your frontline centre and I would imagine as the years go on, his profile will only get bigger as probably Tavares takes a step back in the coming years. Now, he signs a five-year deal, which is unusual for NHL players like that because, pretty much most of them have now signed or do sign the full eight years that are available to them and the thinking behind that has always been you sign for the term and you protect yourself against any injuries or anything like that happening or any you know potential drops in form or things like that you sign yourself up mm-hmm. at a at a number and that is your number and it has meant that players can end up being on very team-friendly contracts because, of course, you're trying to judge how good you are at the age of 21 or whatever it is, how good you're going to be for the next eight years. Now, that's not easy. Like, that is not easy to do when agents are trying to get as much as possible for their players and teams are obviously trying to be as conservative as possible with the cap. Now, Austin Matthews signed for five years um, and he signed for a a pretty hefty Cap hit. I think it's fair to say um, he signed for uh, eleven point six three four, of course, because hockey players are superstitious. Um, and he signed that for the next five years. Now, first of all, when you guys saw that contract, what what was you? What were your initial thoughts when you saw that contract as non-Leafs fans?
1: I I thought it was like a, a really good deal. I think it was a good deal for both sides. Um, I think Matthews is obviously betting on himself, you know, by taking only a five year contract. And that's the way I see it. I think you're a lot better off signing that next contract when you're in your late 20s and you are getting towards 30, because I think you're going to, for me, you're going to be more in your prime, shall we say. Yeah. And also that on the end of that is the way the salary cap changes every year. You'll be able to then renegotiate. And we see it not only. Um, you know, been able to put forward his next contract. You see, players in all sports now looking at their contracts and seeing, you know, when when can I sign that next big money deal? What can I do to get out of it? And I know different contracts are structured across the different sports, but I think that's for me is what Matthews has done is kind of like bet on him on himself going forward. And I think it's a it's 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 a good contract. I I don't have any issues with it. I think the price is right, and I think for the Maple Leafs, I think it gives them stability, gives them the fact they've locked up their best player for the next five years. I know that other people may joke and say, oh, okay, Austin Matthews is only going to be a leaf for the next five years. Personally, I think Matthews would be a leaf for life, Um, and that's that's the way I see it. I don't see any reason for him going elsewhere in, in five years' time unless the Leafs really hit really, really bad times, and the way that this team has been set up not to kind of blow your trumpet, but <laughs> it's been it's been set up really well. I mean, when you yeah. look at where you were three or four years ago, it's, it, it's night and day how different it is. And you've got like a plan going forward and you take a look at the nucleus of players you have, that really this team is built to win a cup sometime in the next five years. So for me, when Matthews comes to the end of that contract, I think he's going to be in a, in a great place. The salary cup will be higher, be able to command more money. He'll then be able to lead the not like the next generation of these, but, you know, the new players that will come in, you know, as you rightly say, Tavares will take a step back. And I mean, Austin Matthews is, is the guy you think about most when you think about Toronto. And I think, you know, I think it, it's a great deal. I think every side has been very, very sensible about this. I think even from a team perspective, I think it's very dangerous to start looking up these stars for, you know, eight years mm. because at the end of the day, if something happens to one of these players, it's not great yeah. if if you get into a scenario where they, you know these players really drop off, you know, form wise and things like that. At least when you think about it from a five-year kind of term, that you, if the worst happens, you can kind of get out from underneath it. But I just I just think it's a, it's a great deal all round, and I think we're going to start seeing more contracts like this. Players taking a look at where their next when the contract's going to come out. What do I then need to do? We've got a load of players coming up as as restricted free agents, as, we, as we'll talk about in a bit. But I, th- I think it's, I think it's a good deal all round. I'd, I'd be happy on both sides.
2: Uh, I think it's a phenomenal amount of money that he is earning, but he has justified that with the performances that he's been putting in. Um, he's a guy that they can build that team around, and the guy that has built that, that team around. The bit I find quite interesting about it is, obviously, he's got the no-move clause in the final year of his contract. Mm. And also that the Leafs have bought the first year of his free agency, yeah. so he wouldn't become a free agent until after that final season uh, when his contract expires. Um, it does seem like a kind of sensible, but as was said, a kind of sensible route for both the team and the player to take, and it means he can can evaluate his options. I, mean, I would imagine, like the way this team is built, they're built for both right now and also for the. For the next few years, I would say they're, they're built to make a real run. There's there's the potential for like a, a bit of a dynasty team there, I would say. But
0: oh, oh, obviously... steady. Oh, <laughs> steady, Andy. Oh, I, I, I need to sit down. <laughs> But uh, but, you, but you're right. And it's really interesting listening to you two talk about it, because as a Leafs fan who's obviously very involved with it and follow it a lot and, and read a lot of the stuff that comes from Leafs fans in terms of reaction to it. I've been amazed at the reaction to it because I looked at it and my overwhelming feeling was I was just happy. I was happy that yeah, he'd signed. So. Like I'd, I'd happy that he'd signed. I, I don't care. I mean, I'd, I would have loved him to have signed for eight years because then that's three more years of guaranteed Austin Matthews. But I would take five years. I don't hate the cap hit. 11.6 million for a player like Matthews in today's market looks high now. But I'm telling you now, by the time that, you know, two years comes round, that is not looking high just because no. of the, the way that the salary cap is going and the way that players are being paid. And... The, I just found it fascinating that people's initial uh, thing to jump to straight away was, well, I mean, this basically just means the Leafs have given him the keys to the NHL to walk away after his five million, uh, sorry, after his fifth year and go and play wherever he wants. A, I don't understand that argument because Toronto, through no work of their own, is the biggest hockey team in the NHL. They are, you know, I hate saying this, but they're like the Manchester United of ice hockey.
1: Yes, that's it. They're the New York Yankees.
0: Exactly. They've got endless amounts of money. The way they put this contract together for Matthews is insane and hardly any other NHL team could afford to build a contract in the way that the Leafs have done Matthews, where all of it's pretty much coming in in signing bonuses. There's been loads of stories about how that is a real kind of tax benefit for, for Austin and... And how there are loads of different ways. I mean, this guy's gonna be getting basically a check for fifteen million dollars on July one this year yep. and next year. I mean, <laughs> a twenty-one-year-old getting that kind of money as a check is just quite something, isn't it? But, and, but yeah, exactly. And then you know, and then the talk, as I said, goes to the fact that Matthews will leave in five years' time and head off and the lease won't be able to afford him. Well, I'll tell you now, in the year 2024. And to 2025, that season at the moment, the Leafs have a grand total of $11 million against the cap. That is their cap hit that year. I don't understand why people can't think that the Leafs will be able to work out that Matthews will need a big contract that year. Tavares is the only player signed up until that season. I just think... I, I don't get it. I just didn't get all the negativity around it. I thought it was, it should have been a moment for real celebration that the Leafs got this done. And I think interestingly, and you kind of mentioned it, Stephen, that once this next class of RFAs sign their deals, I think we will be looking back at this contract and thinking, yep, that's about right.
1: Yeah, and the thing is as well, is it, it's the kind of like the market for everyone else. I mean, the, the first thing I tweeted out afterwards, well, what does that mean to a guy like Rantanen? Yeah. yeah. I'm not saying that Rantanen's going to get Matthews-type money, but if you're Rantanen's agent, you're going to turn around and go, well, he's just signed that. Yeah. This is what my client's worth in the the current climate. So I think that's the other thing as well is that it has a knock-on effect. And I I still think it's, it's good business. It's good business on both sides. Matthews is betting on himself. Yeah. The team are basically betting on their future. They're betting on the fact that Matthews will be sign off contract. I think it's... The thing is, with all fans, is that we are very, very pessimistic about our own team, yeah. about yeah, what players might do. We never think the positive side. We always think, oh, OK, well, yeah, that guy's just going to go, and oh, my God, you know, what, what are we going to do? You know, how are we going to cope? And I think that's very much it. I just think... If we take a step back, and I know we do as as analysts as well, Jolon, is the fact we then take a look at it and go, Well, no, hang on a second here. This is very, very sensible on both sides. Yeah. And I think we'll take a look at it, say, in five years' time and go, hang on a second here, you know, we've actually underpaid Matthews. You know, you'll find that other guys have kind of leaped leaped over him over him in terms of what they're being paid, mm. and now production won't be as high. Matthews is going to be a, a, a top 10 player in the NHL for the next five years. And that's even me, probably at a worst case estimate.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's a centre and he scores an insane amount of goals for a centre. Yeah. And he's, yeah, he's he's everything the Leafs needed. And getting exactly. that, he you know, first overall draft pick and all of those things. So that number of 11.634 is not uh you know not i i I just love that i love how it was talked about change yeah he was actually superstitious enough to make sure that three four got in there no i mean not superstitious enough to sign a deal for 11.34 no 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 no. i do want that extra 400 grand but i'll sign it for 11.6 three four but anyway brilliant um that class of rfas that we've been talking about Andy, coming up is quite a year. I mean, we're talking Sebastian Arho, Braden Point, Patrick Liney, Miko Rantanen, Matthew Kachuk, Kyle Connor, uh, Timo Meyer, Brock Besser, Kasperi Kapanen, uh, Charlie McAvoy, and that's just naming kind of the obvious ones. There are a lot of big names that are going to need signing when this RFA class comes round. Do you think that we are going to see a shuffling of the pack when it comes to those kind of players, or is is this just agents talking, and they will actually all just end up signing with their teams?
2: I think the majority will probably end up signing with their, their own teams. You know, they will try and put out, you know, how how interested other teams are in them. As you said, the usual kind of agent talk. But I would, I'd kind of quite like to see a bit of movement around it. I think it makes it more exciting uh, when you don't know who's going to end up where from one week to the next. And it makes the start of the new season even more exciting with how these players are going to fit into the team. Um, I always prefer a bit of movement. And like you said, you look at the list of how many players are are on this. I mean, Patrick Liney, that just... How he doesn't have a contract running for eight years already, I don't know. Well, um, you,
0: you say that though, but he's had such a strange season this year. I mean, if you were trying to, out of that whole entire list, I I, I really don't know what number I'd put on Patrick Line right now. Because he's, okay, he's had a 20-odd goal season, but something like 19 of them came in one month. And
1: uh, and you put, not to talk about the Avalanche for a second, but right now you take Rantanen yeah. a yeah, yeah. It's, it's an easy decision.
0: Yeah, but then again, I, I guess Andy, that that brings us back to the whole. You're you're trying to put a figure on somebody who and and judge what they're going to be like in in seven years' time, eight years' time.
2: Yeah, very much. Well, I mean, you look at one of the players that's coming up, um, William Carlson from the Knights. Yeah. What figure do you put on him, based on his first year, which was insane? Um, obviously, the drop off, as is expected, has been massive but what sort of figure would you put on him? Like, It's, it's really hard to say, because you look at him at any other team, I don't think he goes in as a top six forward. No, he's
1: not. He's not a top, yeah. he's not a top six forward. The he only reason he became a top six forward is because he went to Vegas. He's not a top six... Forward, for, well, he might be a top six. He will be a top six forward in in Colorado, unfortunately. But yeah, because <laughs> um, we don't have any depth scoring. But the thing is, as well, you talk about player movement is the fact that I mean, I was talking to Jalen before we come in. Now we haven't seen an an offer sheet in six years because teams don't want to offer it because they don't want to get put in a scenario where with a restricted free agent you tend to overpay and you're basically calling the other teams bluff. Mm. Whether or not they will match that offer, and it's very, very tricky right now because you you think about a guy like Ranson. If you put in an offer sheet to him, you're probably actually going to have to offer almost Austin Matthews type money.
0: Yeah, and you've also got and you've also got to pay the 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 penalty as well, which is the giving up the draft picks.
1: picks. Oh, the, I mean, if you sign a guy like Ranton and I was reading it today, I mean, the, the it's a hell of a it's a whole. Bundle of draft picks. Yeah, that's without the handcuff, handcuffs of the contract.
0: Yeah, people were, when they were talking about you know the, the the obvious thing that was going to happen, of course, that Matthews was going to be off sheeted by Arizona and sign it, of course. Yeah. Um. You know they were they were going to have to give up four first round draft picks. Yeah,
1: they were. Why the would you is, do that? You've got four potential Austin Matthews there for free. Uh, you have know got, I mean? got four Austin Matthews, but the trouble is you, you potentially. You give up a, you am saying slim, future.
0: but it's a slim chance. But you you potentially got the opportunity of a team like Arizona. Because if you're in a position to be able to give up four first round draft picks and bet on a guy like that, you're not a good NHL team right now. Like no no good team is going to be able to do that. And so...
1: Yeah. And there's rules around that as well. Is It's got to be your own draft picks. Yes. Yeah. And also with the way that the restricted free agency works for the offer sheets... Is that it's not divided by the if it's if it's a more than a five-year contract, I believe, it the figure gets divided by five to produce the final compensation package. Wow, as well. So oh, that I mean. that makes it even worse. If you offer more than a five-year contract, you're still going to be divided by five. But it is
0: interesting because there has been a lot of talk about it, and I joke about the fact that you know Matthews being offshipped by Arizona, but I think there are some more serious ones as well, and. I remember hearing about uh, the Red Wings GM, Ken Holland, talk about offer sheets. And he was asked whether he would think about using one um, in the kind of coming months. And he gave a very kind of politician's answer and certainly didn't say, well, yes, of course. But he certainly didn't rule it out. And listening to his interview, he he kind of said that, you know, it is an option and it is one we would explore. And to be fair, Carl Dubas has said the same when he was asked about it. Um, he was said, you know, it's something that we would consider using because it's something available to us. I just wonder you know, whether a bit like the the, the kind of the, uh, a bit like the Duchesne and Stone and, and Panara and Borowski holding up the, the trade or the trades that are going to yeah. happen over the next couple of weeks, I wonder whether it just takes the first one to happen before we see a flurry of them.
1: Yeah, I think this is it. You're waiting for the first domino to form. We've got two weeks, of me we, to the trade deadline. But I think for me, if I looked at the restricted free agency, and I'm not a general manager by any means, but if there was a time to offer an offer sheet, you don't offer, it might be you don't offer an offer sheet to a guy that's having coming off a really good year or, or anything like that. Mm. You might take a look at a guy like a William Carlson and maybe call for, you know, or someone along those lines. Yeah. And call their bluff on the basis that he's had one really phenomenal season. He's had like a down season. And you kind of put in a contract that might align to somewhere in the middle of that and say to Vegas, you know, what do you think? You know, do you want to match? Do you want to leave it? You know, that's the kind of player I would go after. You certainly wouldn't go after a guy like Rantanen who's having a phenomenal season because you can't gauge whether or not that season is what he's going to be like consistently going forward or whether that is like... A season out of nowhere, that all of a sudden, okay, he's going to have a drop off from that. So you, I think you leave those kind of players alone. Maybe like you know, Patrick Lyon is an interesting one because having a down year, yeah, could you potentially you know try and see what Winnipeg might do?
0: And they're in a cap crunch as well. Yeah, um, exactly.
1: I mean, Winnipeg are. I mean. If you take a look at teams as well, you know, look at teams that in cap countries. I mean, Tampa could have potential cap problems going oh, forward.
0: Point, how they're going to sign points, I just don't exactly. know. Exactly. I yeah, just don't know. a good
1: one. That's a. I mean, that's if, if there's an offer sheet, I mean, I know we're sitting here saying that it's been six years for an offer sheet, but all of us could come up for reasons why you would potentially put in an offer sheet.
0: And that's what, yeah, exactly. And that was the thing, like with the... With the Leafs and Matthews and Marner, I don't understand it because the Leafs can sign it and they can yeah, match exactly. it and they will make it work. Yeah. There is, you know, there is an argument that Tampa they can make it work, but it would, you know, it, it really hurts them in the short oh, term. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Andy, Andy, out of that list, you you were kind of talking about it earlier as a as a kind of thing that you'd like to see, and you'd like to see some movements just for fun. And I think we'd all agree, as long as it's not our player that gets moved. <laughs> um, but out of that RFA class that we've talked about, so Arho, Point, Line, a, Rantanen, Kachuk, Connor, uh, Kapanen, I guess you can add in there as well, and McAvoy. If Vegas were to offer sheet any of those players, which one would you like them to offer sheet?
2: That's a good one. Um, as you're saying, like, just for the sake of having the player, probably it would be, it would be ranting, then, but <laughs> the negatives far outweigh
1: the positives.
2: <laughs> yeah, Stephen would never talk to you again. But
1: Well, you, as I said, you could offer Matthews-type money to gain, get him because he's going to get a big deal anyway in Colorado. I mean, he's, he's being paid less than a million dollars a season at the moment. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, it's like Mitch Marner, isn't it? He's on like eight hundred grand.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what uh, Rantanen's on as well. So I mean, as I said, it's, that's the trouble with restricted free agency. You, you've got to overpay. Mm. You've, you're gonna you would give Austin you'd have to give Austin Matthews type money. Yeah. To yeah. Rantanen, and you're not gonna do that. No. And we the best in the world. Rantanen looks like a phenomenal prospect going forward, and you know, but I'm just a bit concerned about. What is this season? Is that ran? Is that the true Ramston? Yeah. And that's where it's difficult. If I was Vegas, I would take a look at a guy like uh, Braden Point.
2: Yeah. See, personally, I would. I would quite like Sebastian Aho in terms of. Yeah, it's no, a good one. Would be worried about forgetting which one I would get.
1: Yeah. That. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's really true, and that and that's the thing with all of these, with all these signings, and all of these potential trades and potential offer sheets you and it's 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 something that we don't see over here so much because you really don't get in football and in sports over here you really don't get these massive long-term contracts and I I really think that Matthew's contract could be the beginning of the end for that kind of eight-year contract and I know GMs and owners would love in the next kind of Collective Bargaining Agreement and, and CBA, they would love to be able to bring that figure down because they don't like it. Yeah. They don't like having no. to sign those contracts and, and commit for that long. I mean, well, obviously, the players love it. But, you know, but well, like all it. that, actually, I say that, the players love it, but now do they? And this is maybe where the change yeah. comes because you need both sides to agree to that kind of change. And now maybe with Matthew setting this precedent potentially for, for now on... Then maybe players look at it and go, "Do you know what? Yeah, I am going to actually back myself to to sign a, another contract to the age of 26. I mean, he it is going yeah. to be a huge contract. I mean, that is the one thing I'm going to. I do think, you know, Matthew's contract, if he carries on at this pace, when he's signing at 26, is going to be astronomical.
1: When you think um, about that, if he signs another five-year, co- if he signs a five-year contract at 26. The 31. I mean, in theory,
0: what's even the 31 going to look like? Well, yeah, yeah. Although with the way the league's trending, it's all about younger players, you know. And that's where that's where the change is going to be. That those players higher up, those players who, you know, the contracts that are are nobbling the Anaheim Ducks and the LA Kings at the moment, and those kind of contracts where they've got players going into their mid 30s signed for very expensive deals and paying for success of previous Cups won, that's the thing that's going to have to give if you're going to be giving your young players such high amounts of money.
1: Yeah, but I think with like Matthews, I mean, I don't, I don't want to kind of sit here and try and plan out the next 10 years, but and it's very difficult to judge, but I think with the phenomenal players, you know, the real elite players that come into this league, you have to think that they're still going to be like right at the top of their game at that sort of age. So even you think, you know, we're talking about like Matthew's next contract, even the contract after that is going to be a pretty substantial uh, contract as well. I mean, Matthew's is going to be paid a hell of a lot of money. I mean, I think this is what you're going to get. So I think other players as well, when they take a look at the elite players signing these type contracts, it's got to come into your, into your thought process when you come up to try and think about how you want your contract to look going forward. Yeah. Because yeah. it, it just became. I think this is this has changed the landscape of the NHL in some respects. Because it we didn't necessarily expect it. We thought Matthews would be locked up for longer. And I think again we talked about it before, uh, Joe, Lon, about the, you know the backlash from the Leaf fans. It's because I think all of us thought he was going to sign for longer. And I think that's where it comes from. If we'd have thought he'd have signed for five years, I think you'd have had a a lot less backlash than you had at the time.
0: Andy, did you want to come in on that?
2: Yeah, does it sort of feed down, though, in terms of with the, the length of contracts? For instance, the players that aren't your Austin Matthews, that are slightly lower level than that, would they fight to keep the longer-term deals? Because then that's kind of protecting their future, protecting their families. You know, one injury, and that can be a, a career significantly shortened. So are these, you know, these sorts of players going to want to keep the eight years just for the security a little
0: bit. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think there's going to be a real battle over the next few years because it's all well and good players like Austin Matthews, Braden Point, Sebastian Arjo, players like that who are going to bet on themselves. And if you are a kind of player like that at that level, you are going to make your money. I mean, if I, if Austin Matthews didn't play another ice hockey game From tomorrow onwards, God forbid. But anyway, if he didn't, then he's still gonna make his money. Like he could he could just do adverts for the rest of his life. Even now he's you know so well known, or he could go back to Arizona and make his money there. But no, you're right, Andy, there is a real concern for for some players who are not at that elite level, who have earned a decent living, let's face it, but at the same time know that their careers are limited. And that top end of their career is probably reducing in number. You know, you're probably not going to be paid for as long as you were before. And yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, these players have got to try and maximise their earnings. I wonder whether we will end up seeing players like that then doing the opposite and whether we think that they will be pushing for those long-term deals. But if they're not available then I wonder whether those short-term rentals are going to become way more expensive. Because again, you could have players in their mid-30s, say, who are still effective on a roster and still provide um, something that everybody needs. But what they might not be willing to do is sign a three or four-year league minimum or three or four-year kind of one or two million dollar contract. They may instead go... Yeah, absolutely. I'll come and join your team for the year, but it's going to cost you five million, like right? mm. because you're paying for the fact that we there is there is absolutely no stability in this job anymore. Which is what you've got in the NFL.
1: Yeah, you, you don't. Yeah. There's no stability, no loyalty. Um, you know, players are going to be ring chasing. You know, to coin another phrase. This is it. You know, players are going to turn and say, "Well, you know, you want my services." You know you, you've got you've got to pay for that you know whether it be a year contract two-year contract but the same thing as well is that those are very friendly contracts for teams to get out from under because if they if they don't work out okay well you know we've only got to carry it for a year or whatever and then we can just then just get rid of it so again it comes back to players kind of betting on themselves and it's one huge gamble on both sides but it does make for some really interesting storylines
0: yeah yeah, it really does. Right, let's move to the west. Um, we've talked a little bit about it in some of those players involved, but I'm very conscious that I've got a Colorado fan and a Vegas fan on, so we should uh, we should focus in on the west first. A little bit of news from that uh, breaking earlier on um, in the week or la- end of last week and that was that um, Executive Vice President and General Manager Bob Murray will take over as interim head coach for the remainder of the regular season. That is in Anaheim in charge of the Ducks. Randy Carlisle has been relieved of his duties. The Anaheim Ducks have had one of the worst runs, one of the worst road trips in the Eastern Conference that I can remember for quite a long time. They were getting beaten night in, night out. It didn't matter whether it was Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa, Everybody was taking three or four, five goals out of that game against the Ducks. I have not seen a team that looked so poor in quite a long time. It seemed like Randy Carlisle was going to be kept in charge until the end of the season and then they'd make their change it now looks like even that was just not sustainable and the fans would not be happy with that i did see on a very on a lighter note i did see a wonderful picture from a pair of ducks fans who had gone on a eastern yeah. road trip i don't know if either of you guys had seen this but they Absolutely. were on they were on their honeymoon on the east coast of uh, canada and they'd gone they got tickets for i think four games and um yeah they did they were ticking them off as they went along And uh, it was like a little tick box of kind of get engaged, get married, honeymoon, hockey road trip, and all of the different things. And I just thought I I felt so sorry for them because that was a god awful (laughs) trip.
1: No, I I, you know I just I think you get to three losses, you just turn around and go, yeah, no, that's just. They go and watch another game. And what
0: are you expecting watching the Ducks this year? But the ridiculous thing, of course, guys, is the Ducks are only a few points out of the playoff spot because that is the way the Western Conference works this year. Andy, as somebody who obviously has a team who you follow or a couple of teams that you follow in the Western Conference, what has that playoff or the wild card race particularly been like for a fan?
2: It is absolutely baffling just to go back to what you were saying about the Ducks the one good thing they can say is their new coach has never lost a hockey game So <laughs> he's also um, never won and, one has he well, that's also true but we're looking at the positive <laughs> and the couple that were on um they got engaged the good thing is they would have seen some good hockey it just wouldn't have been from their team <laughs> yeah that's um, very true <laughs> yeah
0: oh yeah the least spot on the display that night I think even Ottawa turned up for the night that is a very good point yeah a very good point
2: but, um, yes, the Western Conference is, is crazy. It's like you said, the Ducks have just not performed. Like They've lost nine, uh, 19 of the last 21 games. And as you said, they are not far out of the playoffs. I mean, it's, yeah, OK, it's 10 points. But 10 points in the Western Conference is a week and a half's work with how many times the teams are taking points off each other. Um, with, with watching Dallas, I've seen a lot of, you know, chasing the wild card spots. Um, yeah, it's really interesting how things are, are, are down there. Like, if a team goes on a a two or three game winning streak, they can easily come from obscurity into into the wild card and potentially even to the top three in, in each division. But I think I I think it's it has
0: the potential to cause a real negative impact on some of these teams because and it it kind of. I think this road trip probably has done the Ducks a favour, to be brutally honest, although I'm not 100% sure I like the whole appointing the the vice president or president or whatever he is of the club to to coach. But anyway, um, I think that's a very odd move. But you've got teams like Anaheim. You've got teams like Edmonton. Chicago's a different one because they did make their move earlier on in the year. But Edmonton and Anaheim have... Been terrible and have been really struggling and have been mismanaged and have now sat their coach in Anaheim and their GM and coach in Edmonton. And yet, all the way through these problems, there has been this, but we're still in with a chance of the playoffs, but we're still in with a chance of the playoffs. And it's almost like the fact that everybody else has not been scoring points and this option stays open. it has made teams reluctant to make these changes. And you almost want, surely, as a fan, to just go, well, we know we're bad, we need to make these changes now, let's get this pain going so that then the good times can return in a year or two, instead of kicking that down to the long grass.
2: Uh, Yeah, I would say that makes complete sense. I think a lot of teams hang on for far too long. Uh, when the already. the like, I don't see much of a point in what the Ducks did now because of how close it is to the trade deadline in terms of making any difference for this season at all. They maybe do this a month earlier, they're in a better position. I mean, they're on a seven game losing streak. They change the coach a bit earlier, that potentially, you know, maybe get three or four wins in there and puts them in a much more comfortable place and not propping up the entire Western Conference. Yeah,
0: and you and you say propping up the Western Conference. So they currently, as the time of recording this podcast, they currently sit in ninth position, um, or right, yeah, as you say, right at the bottom of that Western Conference on fifty-one points, tied with the LA Kings. But as we've been saying all the way through, that is only eight points off Minnesota in that second wild card spot. In fact, second and first, because St. Louis both are on uh minnesota and st louis are on 59 there have been some incredible stories though in that western conference Stephen, st louis for example Mm. you know they had they were one of the teams over the summer that was seen to have really done some good business and tooled up nicely and i think everyone expected them to really have a good season this year started abysmally like just awful start to their season but they have really got going in the last few weeks and now they find themselves in the wild card spot, only a couple of points out of actually a guaranteed place. And them and Chicago is another one. I can't believe I'm talking about the Chicago Blackhawks as a potential playoff team after the year that they've had.
1: No, it's an interesting one. I mean, I, as I said, I, I watched the, the Blues against the, the Predators um, over the weekend, and that was a, that was a really great game. And. They're getting getting very good scoring all over the place. They're getting very good net minding. I mean, it's not easy to go and beat a team like Nashville in their own backyard. I mean, they beat Nashville back-to-back. You know, they're they're playing really well. They beat Tampa 1-0 as well. Florida have been on a really good run. They beat them. They won at the Blue Blue Jackets as well. So, I mean, they're, they're at the moment on a really good run. Um. And they're playing very, very consistent hockey. I mean, I think, you know, you have a player like Tarasenko who is a talisman for that team. And he's having a really good year. Ryan O'Reilly, of course, I know very, very well from his days in in Colorado. He's playing very, very well for them as well. Um, you know, they, they are a team that kind of over the last few years you've gone, you know, this team can potentially be there or thereabouts for a cup and they've been kind of like always disappointing you but i think even when jake allen isn't playing well jordan binnington who's come in yeah he's won nine of his first 13 starts a goals against average of less than two 931 save percentage i mean he's been great in net for them so even when they turn the reins over to him when they needed to he's played very very well so all of a sudden st louis have got a pretty pretty good goaltending tandem and they're getting really good performances all over the ice and I think they're going to be an interesting team going into the the second half and the playoffs and people are already talking about a potential playoff matchup with Nashville and I think Nashville will come out of those games they played against and knowing they're going to have their hands full against St. Louis and they may be one of those teams where Nashville are going to go I really would not want to play them right now because they could be very, very dangerous come playoff time. And I think you have to say that they may be the scariest team in that central division right now.
0: You only need to look at the Philadelphia Flyers to see what good goaltending can do for you and how Carter Hart, the young Carter Hart, has turned round that Philadelphia team to being a team who were looking, again, really struggling and Um, going through a bit of an identity crisis and all this kind of stuff and then suddenly you get that uh, prospect coming through and doing the things you'd hoped he was going to do but maybe a little bit earlier than planned and he has just turned that team around and yeah as you say Binnington has done exactly the same thing in St. Louis. Goaltending is a key thing and on that note Andy let's have a look at Vegas because I mean, Vegas was a team that was built around the goaltender. Marc-Andre Fleury was your kind of marquee signing in the expansion draft. How has this season been for Vegas? I can't even imagine. I don't know what I expected to see from Vegas, but I was trying to think about it on my way in today, and I was thinking about it. If I was a Vegas fan now, looking at where we are, I would be over the moon. Only because the, the I you see these storylines so often of an incredible year like last year. Then what happens the following year? They fall off. They just fall off the wagon and it is horrible and it's a mess. But to be in the position where you're in kind of a divisional spot in the playoffs, looking pretty good for a playoff spot this year, you've got to be happy, haven't you?
2: Yeah, it's it's really strange watching Vegas because after last season, you would believe literally anything could happen. We could have finished bottom of the entire West, and or we could have run away with it again. You just you just don't know. Last year was really strange, especially uh, because the amount of goalie injuries that the team had. I think we had five goalies throughout the season, which is which is crazy, but it still seems to work. Um, this season has kind of been really. It's been kinda of a bit more a more of a painful watch at points, but I think that that drop off was sort of expected. Um we're obviously doing phenomenally well sitting in third. Um when we get to that uh if we're still there at playoff the plot of the playoffs, then I would be absolutely delighted. I think Vegas's main weakness is partly when they're strength as well as the strength of because I think it leads to us overplaying them a bit. I mean in the in the past twenty one games we started eighteen of them, which I think think's a bit much um for for a starter to start in the NHL with the uh, especially with the speed of the game now. I mean we saw um with Rask getting run into a few weeks ago. There's there's a lot of impact from these goalies. So I think having eighteen starts in twenty one can be very taxing on a goalie, especially when it's a bit older. Um, but, but sorry, you?
1: let's just let's just say this about Flurry though, is that he's fine in a regular season. The issue with Flurry is always when it comes to the playoffs. Yeah, he first. literally has these lapses in playoff series. I mean, I don't wanna kind of you know go back too much on the Stanley Cup finals last year, but he was a huge reason why Vegas didn't beat Washington. He he I thought he was very poor in that playoff series. And it's not the first time that he's stunk up a playoff series. He did it many times for the Penguins as well. Yeah, he's great did. in the regular season, but I think at times in the playoffs, he is sometimes his own team's worst enemy. And it could be the fact that he's being overplayed or, or whatever it is, a mental aspect. I, I really don't know. But I think if I was Vegas, that would be my big concern going in. I think Dave for me could be the team to beat in the Pacific because I'm still not kind of bought into Calgary. San Jose, I think, are very good defensively. I'm not so sure about them going forward in a, in a play, in the playoffs, but I think they're going to be tough to beat defensively. Vancouver is still a bit young for me. I, I think, you know, in the two or three years, I think they're certainly going to be very scary. Um, so I, I still think that Vegas are still going to have a huge say and Fleury's going to have a huge say in that going forward. Will Vegas be able to score enough? I think that concerns me somewhat. And I think, again, that was maybe just one of the concerns last season, but scoring enough last season, but this year I think it's been a bit harder to come by at times.
2: Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Last season, it was, you know, if you score four, Vegas will score five or six. Yeah. Um, it's very much the case with that. And um, I sort of agree with you with Flurry, especially his time with the Penguins. Um, I mean, Matt Murray came into the play series and essentially showed him how to do it Um when he was left the pens, I think the other problem they just have in relation to that is the quality of the backups isn't good enough to give No, the the night I mean the backups between both our backups and um, legacy and Suban, they played eight games this season and they've only managed to come out with two wins I think if your backups are doing that then you're, you're really having to ride that starter and um, mm. But yeah, as you're saying, the points production just hasn't been there. I mean, nobody really expected Carlson to match what he did last year. 78 points for the Vegas team was phenomenal. Um, And he'd have to go on a a hell of a run to try and get anywhere close to that this year. But it just hasn't been as free-flowing as attacking. And I don't think we've been as strong at the back end as we were last year. I think we did improve getting... um, I know he's not the top player, but getting the likes of Ryan Reeves in added such a big amount of toughness to that team, and such a big amount of character as well. Like he is one of the proper characters in hockey that sort of seems to bring a team together. Um,
0: I wanted to ask you, Andy, about Max Pacioretty. Now he was yeah. obviously the the kind of would you would you say it's a fair thing to say he was your big signing during the summer?
2: Yeah, very much so. Um, the swap with him and Tatar was... I think I'm kind of surprised how it, how it played out. Because uh, they seem to go in two opposite ways. Um, Tatar, you know, kind of started very well, whereas Pacioretty started very poorly. And now they seem to have completely swapped, which, personally, I'm delighted with. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's, he's got six goals in 13 games for the line he plays on, that's pretty good. And he's like third in the team um, in terms of goals scored. Which is considering we swapped to tar for it. I'm very happy with
0: that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think did you think after after your season last year and getting the incredible run that you guys had and it was the kind of the miracle story of the NHL last year, do you did you think that you could go in and recreate that this year?
2: Um, to be honest with you, no. I thought they would Vegas would sort of have been figured out by that point. Everyone spoke about the Vegas flu <laughs> when teams came in there. But um, fortunately, Vegas managed to take that flu on the road with them and spread it to the other teams there too. <laughs>
0: yeah, you <laughs> took it with them.
2: Yeah, so, yeah. I think, I think the way that I've always kind of looked at them is they were sort of the team of the unwanted toys. It was the, the players that nobody really had a space for.
0: Yeah, I I think you nailed it there. I think that was such a key factor in what brought the camaraderie with that team in that year. It must have been a real uniting factor that everybody in that room had one thing in common and that was that their team was prepared to give them up. And I think that that is uh a... I mean, if you're if you're the the new boss of Seattle, that is surely got to be the, the mantra written on the wall of that first year. It's Like you were, you were the ones that they didn't want. Now come and prove to me why, or prove to them why they were wrong not to uh, keep you.
2: Yeah, I mean, you looked at the, the kind of hype up videos that Vegas played before each of the playoff series, and essentially it was just audio clips with videos on the ice of players and media saying they weren't good enough and yeah. doubting their quality and then just a kind of big welcome to impossible at the end, sort of brought the crowd into it and brought everyone together. It was amazing.
0: Yeah. how did uh, Steve, watching, uh, watching Vegas last year kind of from afar, how did, you, how did you find them as a team to watch? Were you kind of pleased for their success or was it a kind of, hang on a minute, you guys have not been here long enough to get this kind of success?
1: I think it was sort of like the feel-good story to the NHL. I mean, I know a lot of people didn't like it. You know, a lot of people said that the expansion um, draft was, was more heavily favoured towards them than it had been for other teams in the past. But I, for me, just really wanted to tell people just stop complaining, enjoy it. You know, I, I do agree with that That mantra of it did kind of bring everyone together. I mean, I've got, I'm old enough, unfortunately, to remember a lot of expansion drafts in the past, they, for me, were set up a bit like what Florida were when they first came in the league because Florida went and got the big net doing John Van B's work and then kind of built, like, a very defensive system, which then led them to the Stanley Cup very early on in their franchise's life. So I was pleased with what Vegas did. I, I didn't know how they would do when it come playoff times. So I thought a lot of players didn't maybe have the playoff experience, but then we had Florida I had it in, you know, in abundance. Mm and still carrying that, you know, it's us against the world mentality, you saw just how how well they could do even in a playoff series. I just think that the Washington series was, was a step too far. As I said, I thought Flurry, unfortunately, was awful in that series. Um, but I think, you know, it kind of set a stall out for what they could do going forward. And it doesn't surprise me they've had a bit of a drop-off. But I don't think the drop-off has been... That bad overall from a team perspective, they're still, you know, they're still a playoff team. You know, we still they're still way above where we thought they would be. I mean, if you take if if you take last year out of it, if you'd have said to Vegas fans, you're going to be a playoff team in year two. Have taken
0: I was just about to say oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I was exactly. just about to say exactly that. I was like, take last year out of it, and if you showed Vegas where they are now with the roster that they put together, hands down, nobody would turn that down.
1: No, exactly. There's a lot of teams, uh, you know, that are struggling to make the playoffs. Haven't made the playoffs in a while. That are really not well-run franchises. Hmm. Whereas Vegas from top to bottom right from the get-go they, they were well run they had excellent they got an excellent GM they've got an excellent coach they've got this this wonderful team chemistry mm. that basically other players seemed as though they fed off of, of, of each other yeah. it was literally when you went out in the ice we are one we are together and I think as well I we mean not you know not to go on about things necessary outside of hockey. But I think what Vegas as a city went through, as well, before the season, I yeah. think yeah. that also played its part as well because it just it, again it brought everyone together, and the Vegas hockey team became something that the community could get behind. They were very fan friendly right from the get go, whether it be on social media, whether it be out out and about, they were the team that everyone was kind of keeping an eye on because they did a lot of things right both on and off the ice. And I think it was a breath of fresh air. And I think, you know, there's a lot of expectation around now on Seattle for what they do, because they've got to kind of like one up Vegas, not necessarily (laughs) what Vegas did on the ice, but also what Vegas did off the ice as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's really true. Really true. Um, So a couple of things I want to just talk about quickly before we wrap up. So Stephen asked me a question right at the beginning of the podcast, which was which was my favourite player to watch um, who isn't a Leaf. Was that correct, Stephen? Am I getting that right? Yeah. So what
1: other players do you enjoy watching that aren't Leafs? I mean, I brought up Tarasenko as a guy that I really enjoy watching for the St. Louis Blues.
0: OK, so I've given it some thought. Andy, I'm going to give my answer and have a quick think to see whether there's a player that you can come up with. Um, I appreciate I haven't given you that long to think about it. No, I think,
2: I think I've got one. You've got fine. one? All right, well, <laughs> go
0: for it. You go now.
2: OK, for me, it would have to be Eric Carlson. Um, I think the guy skates so smoothly can be really physical. I think his partnership with Burns he's another player that I absolutely love watching I don't know if that's just for the pirate beard that he has (laughs) but um, I love the way he plays the game Um, it can be a danger on any power play unit I mean three on three you do not want to see him lining up against your team no
0: no that is so true Um, that is very true I'm caught between two at the moment. Um, I was going to say Elias Pettersson in Vancouver, just because I am watching that guy. I haven't really seen that many Vancouver games this year, mainly because of the time difference. But uh, the 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 goals and the play that I've seen that kid do is just incredible. Um, he's going to take a little bit, obviously a little bit longer, just to bed into the league, and I'm sure he's going to be a superstar in the years to come. And that is why I think my favourite player to watch right now is Johnny Goudreau at uh, in Calgary. He, excellent choice. He is just a, a he's a magician with the puck. And a, a, like what you were saying with Eric Carlson in terms of his skating, you can see just certain players. William Nylander on the Leafs is one. I mean I know he hasn't had the greatest of seasons this year but when that guy is skating he is just it just looks too easy it just looks too easy that puck control and Johnny Gaudreau is exactly the same and watching him with Calgary I mean, he's he's one of those ones that has signed an unbelievably team friendly deal well it looks like it is now it wasn't mm. at the time but it looks like it now yeah. um and he's just an absolute pleasure to watch for me um there is, there is another part of me that does like looking at the the Brett Burns and those kind of players just because I never get to watch them <laughs> as a Leafs fan. Like, I never get to see players like that. I know we've now got Jake Muzzin, which answers some of those. Um, but, yeah, I never got to see those kind of physical. I, I, I didn't see a slap shot, Andy and Steve, for about three months this year as a Leafs fan <laughs> until Jake Muzzin has come back or has come to the Leafs. He scored on a slap shot and I'd forgotten that was a way to score in a hockey game. It was amazing. It was revolutionary. It's something that has been probably as old as hockey itself. And uh, I'd forgotten what it looked like. Um, Now, Claire brought in this thing the other week, which was your uh, man crush of the week. Um, (laughs) Now, I always forget about this and I never prepare because I always forget to do it. Now, Andy, I know you have been diligent and have prepared for this, haven't you?
2: Yeah, it changed a couple of times over the the past week for me. Okay. But um, for my man crush of the week, it would probably be uh, Anton Kudobin of the Dallas Stars.
0: Okay, explain why.
2: Uh, He's a guy that's kind of been a a perennial backup pretty much wherever he's been um, and pretty much every team. But this year for Dallas, he's he's on course for the career season. Um, I think he gets overlooked a hell of a lot in terms of his quality. Um, he's probably equaling Bishop in terms of the performances that he's putting in when he's getting out on the ice and he has a Harry Potter character in his helmet. (laughs) I think they're
1: all good reasons to like the guy.
2: (laughs) Yeah,
0: no, I like that. That's good. Uh, Stephen, have you got one?
1: I I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier and for me it's Tarasenko. I think Tarasenko is just a great player and a great um, person off the ice as well. And I think when we sit down and go back to what we love about hockey, I still think there's something very, very special about seeing a hat-trick. And mm. to see Tarasenko complete the hat-trick over the weekends with a goal that was just phenomenal, basically dancing around two players with speed and then putting a shot that, uh, the national netminder couldn't stop for me was just was just a phenomenal way to to end that game. And I think I, I've always had a, a soft spot for Tarasenko because anyone who remembers the Blues, certainly over the last couple of years, with um, a, a girl by the name of Ari that was incredibly sick, that Tarasenko took an awful lot of time out for and made the, the last few weeks of her life Something very, very special, and the friendship that they built up. And you can see what Tarasenko meant to the city of St. Louis and how much he loves playing there, and what a great person he is. And to have him as one of those role models of the league, I don't, you, you, how can you not have a man crush on a guy like that?
0: Very good answer. Very good answer indeed. Um, I'm going to go with Brian Boyle. Um, I was reading an article by Scott Burnside in The Athletic, which, again, I can't recommend highly enough for any hockey fans right. out there as a as a resource for following the NHL and, and loads of North American sports. The Athletic is just an incredible thing, and it's so reasonably priced. Go, go on there, yep. have a look, find a discount code, and it is brilliant. Anyway, Scott Burnside wrote an article about Brian Boyle after his trade. Um, to Nashville, and I I won't read the whole article, obviously. I'm just going to read this passage from it to give you a taster of the kind of things you can get in The Athletic. And it just says, um, it was 7 a.m. Wednesday morning. Lauren Boyle was driving her son, Declan, closing in on four years old to an afternoon appointment at the Boston Children's Hospital. Her husband, Brian Boyle, had practiced with the Devils but would be home in the afternoon to look after their daughter, Bella, almost two. So that was all covered. In the meantime, teammate Corey Schneider and his wife helped out by loaning their nanny for the morning, blah, blah, blah. And he goes on to say this. Um, Halfway into Lauren's drive to Boston, she noticed a text from her husband. Just traded to Nashville. Love you. Call you later. And she's quoted by saying, I just about drove off the road. Lauren said with a laugh a little more than 24 hours later as she and Declan headed back to New Jersey. It was just laughing. And it's such an uncanny thing. Just amazing and it again i mean all of that the family that family have been through so much and it's been very well documented by the nhl and they've become kind of brilliant ambassadors for hockey fights cancer and and yet even with all of that stuff going on i still am amazed by how hockey players and hockey players families deal with these trades because you are you are set up you're in new jersey you're playing in new jersey and then at a drop of a text message you can find yourself moving to nashville of all places and i just think yeah. it's it's incredible how these people deal with it and especially a family who have been through so much as well yeah. on top of that and the life of a hockey player particularly towards the end of their career where they're jumping around to different places it is uh, yeah it's quite something
1: yeah, I mean it's one of those up and down journeys. At times, with you know, throughout your career, we talked earlier on about, yeah, you know, Austin Matthews being in Toronto probably for the whole of his career. But that isn't a story for a lot of players. A lot of players move around. They might get close to a cup, and and then they then move on to somewhere else. It is one of those things. I mean, for me, for everything that he's been through, I would love to see him lift a cup at the end of the season, if it is Nashville, um, I think they'll have a big say in where the cup does go, mm. um, if they can get out of the central division. But yeah, it is, it is certainly one of those, um, journeys full of, of many rocky roads at times that you have to kind of go past and ply your trade and you can wake up the next morning and find yourself, um, Playing somewhere else, but it's a good fit for him. I really do like it. Yeah, I do um, as well. Yeah, I do. I, I think I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what he, what him and Nashville can do through the rest of the season. And you know, it's one of those, you know, little pickups that we might talk about in the playoffs mm. being, you know, how valuable picking up um, Boyle was.
2: Yeah. yeah, like a really satisfying kind of end to the story, where, which had all the low points to to kind of hit that high. It would be it'd just be a fantastic story, you know.
0: Unless, of course, uh, they're against the Leafs in the final. And then uh, (laughs) forget the story. Uh, We just need the Leafs to win the Cup. (laughs) Um, On that uh, very selfish note, Andy, I just want to ask you, because we ask all our guests who who come on, um, the, the kind of easier and easier question as the year goes on. Tell us your Stanley Cup final prediction for the year. Who do you think will come through the East and who do you think will come through the West? I
2: would love to say that I think the Stanley Cup final... Will be Vegas and Pittsburgh. But I really. (laughs) (laughs) That would be good. Same thing happening again. That would be good. Um, So, yeah, it it probably seems less likely, but I could see it being an All Canadian Stanley Cup final. (laughs) Yeah. In my head, I could see the possibility of Toronto Winnipeg is the way I think they could go.
1: Oh, I thought you were talking about Calgary, Ottawa, then.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot Ottawa. <laughs> yeah, screw you and
0: your first-round draft pick, Colorado. We're going to go to the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but yeah, are two teams that they—I mean, Winnipeg especially—have um, yeah. a physical team that have, have made decent runs before, but have just come up against you know Vegas, who were clearly the best team ever last year. Mm. But. Um, I think they have a team that could do well. They, they have a, a more physical style of play than Toronto, so I think it could be a, an interesting matchup if that, if that ends up being the way that it goes as well.
1: Yeah, no. Just, I, a, quick, just a quick question for you, Jonah. what's the gap now between Tampa and Toronto?
0: It's, it's insane. Like it's just, <laughs> it's ridiculous. I think. Uh, well, as we speak now, Toronto are on 71 points and Tampa Bay are on 86.
1: So it's a 15-point gap. And Toronto have
0: one game in hand. (laughs) But I counter your argument, Stephen, with the fact that the series is between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is all important in the playoffs, is 1-1. And both games were close.
2: I would also say that currently Tampa would be playing Pittsburgh so Pittsburgh would
0: obviously not the out in the first round <laughs> yeah. oh, well that's the thing I mean we were talking about that weren't we I think it was on our Slack group which I'll mention again um, if, if you fancy uh, joining it's kind of like an online chat room discussion group thing um, then drop us an email um, nhlfansfromafar at gmail.com and it's just a group where we basically chat hockey during the week and things like that yeah. uh, so just drop us a little email and we'll uh, we'll get you on that NHL fans from afar at gmail um, and yeah, we were talking about that I think in the week, and I, I, Tampa are an incredible story, and they're an incredible team, and and betting against them now would be foolish. But how many times have we seen that storyline play out that the the Presidents Trophy winners then go on and lose in the first or second round? And yeah, look at Washington. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I think Tampa are. Are better than those Washington teams. I think oh, they they are they are, they yeah, are quite yeah. something. But there's nothing to stop a team like Pittsburgh if they can peak at the right time and get Crosby and Mulkin and Matt Murray going and Chris Letang carrying on the way he's going. It, it, who knows? I mean that that's the joy of it, isn't it? Because and and we joke, Stephen, about the the Leafs and Tampa Bay, and you look at the league standings and you go, well, yeah, of course Tampa would beat the Leafs, but actually. After watching the two games that they've played against each other, both games were insanely close. The season series is 1-1 currently, and over seven games, I don't know which way that would go. And that is the way that it is built. Those league standings, no one really remembers the President's Trophy winner because it's all about the playoffs. And you've then got to beat a team over seven games. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be a good team, Tampa, and I think uh, I think they also feel that they know that this year is probably with particularly with Braden Point's contract, as we talked about earlier. This year is an important year for them to try and win.
1: Yeah, it's the, the window is closing for Tampa um, in some respects, um, but yeah, I mean, it's the second season as we call it, the playoffs. It, it, everything starts from scratch. It doesn't matter where you finished. You have then got to win 16 games, and every single one of those games is every other day. It's a tough two-month grind Mm. to win the Cup. All you need is phenomenal net minding, clutch scoring, and you never know how far that can take you. I think with Tampa, they've got clutch scoring. They've got excellent net minding. And I think with Washington, I think sometimes the scoring was somewhat up and down. You You had a vet skin, but he wasn't necessarily the best team player in the world. Their net minding at times was a bit shaky. Yeah, I think Tampa. You can't say that about them, and I think they're they a very tough team. I mean, I, I've made the statement all season long that I don't think that anyone can beat Tampa four times in the seven game playoff series. Mm. And that's the key. You've got to beat them four games, and you've got to win at least one of their one of those games on their ice. Yeah, and at home they're twenty one five and two. They're not so bad on the road at twenty six and two. There's not much difference between the two.
0: No one of those one of those losses was to Toronto, just for context. Just,
1: just, um,
0: just one. Just one. Um, and I just want to give a final shout out to Montreal. And this really does uh, pain me as a Leaf fan, but um, they have been an incredible story this year. I think a lot of people were expecting Montreal to not have a good season this year. Nope. Uh, Max Domi has yep. been an absolute uh, superstar for them. Carey Price is suddenly starting to look every bit worth that incredibly huge contract that he's got. Um, he on Saturday night, he was just incredible. And he was back to the kind of carry price of old. Um, and yeah, uh, the fact that they could be heading into one of those um, playoff spots in the Eastern Conference in the At- At- uh, Atlantic Conference um, is amazing story and they look a really good team to watch so we could have a Leafs versus Montreal Canadiens playoff place with uh, a playoff series which if Saturday was anything to go by it would be incredible who knows where the West is going to go and all of the different teams that are fighting or almost not fighting for those two wildcard spots it's almost like a kind of a British queue it's too polite they're all letting other people go and all letting no you go in the wildcard spot no you can go in the wildcard spot um, but it is just waiting for a team to absolutely take control of those wild card spots in the west um andy all the best um with vegas this year and who knows how far they can go and i mean dallas as well another one who would definitely not think of themselves out of it so you could find yourself with two nice playoff teams to uh to follow during the off season or during the playoff season but thank you very much for coming on andy
2: no absolutely no problem thank you for having me on it was a really good
0: chat good stuff and we'll have you on again we're going to be uh as we get closer to the playoffs, we're going to be sorting something where we get some um, some people up, some fans up for, for each side as we go through the playoff series. Uh, so we'll try and speak to you again around then, if that's all right.
1: Yeah,
2: sounds
0: great to me. Great. And Stephen, thank you very much for being our emergency backup goaltender. I mean, saying that, you had a little bit more notice this time, so I would almost say you're almost <laughs> getting into the point where you are now just the backup goaltender instead of the emergency goaltender. Two weeks running.
1: Yes, it's it. Yeah, I am the I am the backup goaltender now. Um, yeah, it, it's been obviously fun um, stepping in for Claire, and obviously Claire will be back next week. But um, I
0: think she will anyway. She posted on the Slack group earlier on that she uh, opened up the NHL app and had forgotten to put the hide scores back on, so accidentally <laughs> saw the result of the Leafs Rangers oh, game. They? Yeah, I know. It's what we've all done, but I can tell that she's had a couple of weeks off from uh, from hockey because that's a rookie error mid season. You do not put the hide scores uh feature off mid season. Um but yeah she did that. But thankfully for her, it meant that she saw the Rangers score um and so didn't bother watching the game like a true Leafs fan because we only enjoy it when we win. And uh that is <laughs> I think Claire mentioned that in her little post on there. But yeah you can come and join us on the on this Slack group. Just drop us an email at NHLfansfromafar at gmail dot com. Um drop us an email just say that you want to come in and join and we'll send you an invite. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast all the way to the end. If you've got to this point, thank you. That is brilliant. If you could drop us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from, that would be fantastic. And also hit subscribe as well. This podcast has been out since the beginning of the season every single week. And so we aim to do that all the way through the regular season and into the playoffs as well. So if you hit subscribe on this, then that would be great and you'll get a new podcast every week. And if you fancy coming on, if you've heard Andy tonight and you've heard Stephen and you've heard the guests we've had in the past, we would love to get you on. We are looking for people from all kind of walks of life in terms of NHL fans. We want your armchair fans we want your massive stats nerds we want everybody people who've just come across a team now and thought you know what i quite like these guys let's i'm going to start watching some nhl and um, we are going to try and get round all 31 teams before the season is out we've done pretty well so far but we're going to carry on going through the list and try and make sure we represent every single team before the season is done thank you very much for listening and myself and claire will be back next week